0: great are you, Lord? We don't deserve you. But you accept us anyway. Such worship this morning has already filled this building. Help us to be open to your work. In Jesus' name, amen. And have a seat. To be honest, I feel like I should just say amen and go sit back down myself. If I were to ask you a simple question, what comes to your mind when I say the word ghost or spirit? What comes to mind? If you're a little bit older, it might be this. Casper the friendly ghost which came out in the 1940s. That tells us, those of us who, are, or who remember it when it first came out, you're a little bit older than I am, I'm sorry, but it's, it's the truth. It came out in the 40s. If you're a little bit younger, maybe it's this, Ghostbusters. Now, if you're a hopeless romantic when I say the word ghost, you're going to think of Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore in Ghost. But is that what we should be thinking about? When I say the word ghost or spirit, well, what if I add the word holy to that? Holy ghost. Same kind of thing or a different thing pop into your mind? Is it a cartoon character? Or maybe you just draw a blank. If you haven't been in the church very long, maybe nothing comes to your mind when you hear the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. But you see, that's what we're going to talk about today, the Holy Spirit. And as you know, we've been in this series called The Untold Story, and we're almost done, only two more weeks after today. But we're looking at the Gospel of John and what only John tells us in the Gospel. And that includes when John records what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. But before I get into that, I want to give you a quick theological primer on the Holy Spirit. You see, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Bible gives us three fundamental truths. And the first truth is that the Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God. It's one of the Trinity. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I probably won't fully understand the Trinity until I get to heaven. But what we do know is that it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God composed of three people. Well, each has a unique role in ministry. Each also shares all of the attributes of God. Genesis, going back to the creation, tells us that the Spirit was active in creation. He's everywhere. So we begin with that fundamental truth that the Holy Spirit is God. But that's not all. The second fundamental truth is that the Holy Spirit is personal. Throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is referred to as a person. And that's important, because that's not what most people think of. See, most people think of the Holy Spirit as some force, or they refer to it as it. More than a person. But the Holy Spirit is a person. I mean, we think about it. You think about the the God the Father, God the Son. It's easy to put a person to that because we have Father and Son. We can picture something in our head when it comes to Father and Son. But the Holy Spirit, it's hard to figure out in our a picture in our head of the Holy Spirit. So it's understandable that people have a hard time thinking of the Holy Spirit as being personal. But that's not all that the Bible teaches. Jesus also referred to the Holy Spirit always in personal terms. We read that he thinks, he grieves, he makes decisions, he is fully personal. Then the third big idea about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is for you, and is for me. Well, that is, if you're a Christ follower. The Bible teaches at that moment that you accept Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit starts to dwell within you. Takes up residence within you. And so inviting Christ into your life is inviting the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. So with that theological background in mind, what does John tell us that Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit? What did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do in each and every one of us and then in the world at large? Three things is what Jesus tells us. And I'll be honest, I really like this part because the three things, the three terms are all legal terminology, which makes me happy. For those that don't know, by day I'm an attorney, so I like it when my two jobs kind of mesh. So the legal terminology here you know, gets me a little bit excited when I talk about it. So, but it's all found in one large discourse that's spread out over three chapters, John 14, 15, and 16, which is really the last great conversation between Jesus and his disciples before the crucifixion. And one of the main things that Jesus wanted to talk to them about was that when His time here on earth ended, that the run of the Holy Spirit would begin. So in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15, it says this, If you love Me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Then jumping down to verse 25, it says, All this I have spoken while still here with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will, will remind you of everything I have said to you. So what's the first thing that Jesus tells us? That the Holy Spirit is a counseling spirit. And the word translated counselor here is the Greek word Pericles. And it's an interesting word. Because we really don't have an English equivalent to this word. So picking just one word in English doesn't really work very well. It means counselor. But it also has the idea of a helper, a comforter, and the word I prefer, advocate as an attorney. You see, the word itself comes from two Greek words put together. Para, meaning alongside, and kletos, which means to call. So literally, it means something or someone called alongside of us. That's why a lot of translators use the word advocate. Because of the idea of a paraclete was taken from the legal language, like having a friend in court. An advocate in life living right beside of you. And here's where it gets even more interesting. Jesus calls him another counselor. Another advocate. Because Jesus was the first one. The Spirit is the next one. The one that takes Jesus' place in our lives after Jesus left this earth the one that will carry on Jesus' work, his ministry, and the one who will take Jesus' presence into the world and into everyone's lives who accept him. The ministry Jesus had with his disciples, the ministry that Jesus continues to have with us also, his disciples, is carried out through our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would take the place of Jesus' presence here in this world. You see, on earth, the disciples could not have uninterrupted presence with Jesus. He couldn't be everywhere in in His human form. He couldn't be everywhere at all times. His presence was limited to one place at a time, but through the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be with us everywhere and always. It also means that the Holy Spirit internalizes the presence of Jesus. Now, through the Holy Spirit, Christ dwells in our hearts and does His transforming work on us. The Holy Spirit is continuing His ongoing presence, working in and through our lives in and through this church until God's work on this planet is done. So the first thing we learn is that we have an advocating spirit, a counseling spirit, a spirit that's beside us. And in us, we have the paraclete. But what does that mean, really? See, we are not in this alone. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. You don't have to go through daily battles by yourself. Your spiritual life is that, just that. It is spiritual. Spirit-driven, Spirit-led, Spirit-filled. Which raises an interesting question. How much of your life is being led by the Spirit? How much are you turning over and how much are you holding back? Because if the Holy Spirit is a person, then His presence demands a relationship. How much do you follow His prompting in your life? How much do you follow His work in making you more like Jesus each day? How much are you following His encouragement and enablement to resist sin as it comes into your life? Are you giving Him increasing space in your life? An increasing capacity to work in your your life? Or are you shutting Him off? Pushing Him away? The power and presence of God is there, ready, willing, and able. But are you experiencing To be Spirit-filled isn't about speaking in tongues. To be Spirit-filled means to let the Spirit fill your life and to do His work through you. To cooperate with His efforts. To let Him take over. So the question boils down to, have you allowed Him to take over? The second thing Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit is that He is a missional Spirit. See this in John chapter 15, beginning with verse 26, when it says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. And you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. One of the primary works of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus and His work on that cross known to the world. So the second thing that the Holy Spirit does and that we are to do in cooperation is to testify. Again, another good legal term for you because that's all we do in a court system. If there is no testimony, a case is never proved. I often, when I'm picking a jury, will talk to them and say, will you be able to follow the burden of proof and the presumption of innocence? And in order to do that, I give them this scenario. I said, if this trial ended right now, and no one got on that witness stand, no one testified, if the trial ended right now, would you be able to say the words, not guilty? Because you've heard no evidence. And the idea is that the the answer should be yes. See, a person can't be proven guilty unless somebody gets on the witness stand and testifies. But that is the Holy Spirit's job, and our job in cooperation with the Holy Spirit is to testify. And that's the mark of the early church. The mark of a truly Spirit-filled church was that God added to their number daily, and people were being saved. The Holy Spirit in people's lives was making Christ known to others. So at the very beginning of Acts, we read these words from Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, the Holy Spirit has no interest in being quiet about Jesus. His mission is to make Jesus known to the entire world, to see as many people come to faith in him as possible. And he wants to do that through me and through you. Because when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this area, he takes over and he multiplies it exponentially. He breaks out, and he changes lives. Because it's in and through the power of the Holy Spirit that any person's life is changed. Which brings us to the third work of the Holy Spirit. He is a convicting spirit. Another good legal term. We see this in John chapter 16, beginning in verse 5, where it says, "Now I am going to, I am going to him who sent me. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world." Of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin, because men men do not believe in me, in regards to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So what will the Holy Spirit do? It'll convict. Conviction is important. It has an important spiritual dynamic. It's that inner voice, that inner sense, that inner prompting. Call it a conscience, but it's the Holy Spirit. Telling you what you're doing is something you shouldn't be doing. Jesus was saying that having the Holy Spirit in us is better than having Jesus himself beside of us. That sound a little shocking see most of us think if, if I could have only spent time with Jesus if I could have spent those three years with Jesus I would have been good I wouldn't have been like the disciples but that didn't work for the disciples Three years of being with Jesus day in and day out and in one night the night he's arrested they fall apart Some run away, some deny even knowing Him. They didn't need more time with Jesus. They needed His life, His power, His presence inside of them. And when that happened, when the Holy Spirit came, what a difference it made. You ever compared the disciples before the Spirit came And afterwards, before they were scared, they were hiding, they were denying they even knew him. But afterwards, they were bold, courageous, standing up, speaking out, even to the point of facing death. That same Holy Spirit is inside of you. You don't have to go along with it. You don't have to hear that voice. You can hear the voice and shut it out. But if you don't, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict you in three specific ways. Did you catch them? Let's look at them again. It says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world stands condemned. Did you catch the three areas? In regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And all three of them are important. First, he will convict in regard to to sin. See, that's where a life begins to change. And second, He will will convict you in regard to righteousness. Meaning, He will convict you that what you are thinking is right isn't right. And then finally, He will convict the world in regard to judgment. Jesus has not only died for the sins of the world, but defeated death by rising again. The Holy Spirit will make that victory known. So how is that convicting taking place? Because of the Holy Spirit within us and through all of us then to the world. When someone spends time with you, when they work with you, when they interact with you, they should sense something different about you. Something not of this world. They should sense that there's something inside of you that they don't have. There should be something about you that's radically different than a normal life they're sensing is the Holy Spirit inside of you. Changing you, empowering you, filling you, and flowing out through you. The question is, is it happening? See, we often, too often, we minimize the Holy Spirit. We silence the Holy Spirit. We muzzle the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit invites us to stop doing that, to come along for the ride, and it will be an amazing journey when you surrender to the Holy Spirit. Have you climbed on board? Are you letting Him to take up residence within you? Are you letting Him speak through you? Are you letting Him convict you? And as we're about to sing, are you available. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit's presence. We thank you that you send the Spirit to dwell within us because without that Holy Spirit we would be lost. Even the disciples when they spent three years with you in one night they ran away. But when you sent the Spirit to dwell within them They became bold and courageous and told the world about who you are. We have that same spirit in us. Help us to surrender to that power, to fully let the spirit work through us. Help us to be.